Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Wow, right? Talk about incredible Thanksgiving. You know, this video that I saw really, really touched my heart, and I think that it was going to set the perfect tone for what I wanted to speak about today. Um, you know, I love that video not only uh, because of how sentimental it is and how beautiful, but was also was encouraging to find out if we haven't seen this video yet is that that man, Oscar Rodriguez, is actually one of our brothers in Christ in, in the L.A. church. And he was recognized for the amazing things that he did for his community, as a leader in the church, for his mother. And God blessed him and touched the heart of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the people's champ, to give not only just a beautiful custom-made truck, but his very own personal custom-made truck. Talk about incredible things. You know, last week, Jeff shared a message, uh, an incredible lesson on everyday worship. It touched me, man, and, and it just reminded all of us of just how we need to every day have a sacrificial life of worship Amen. in every aspect of our lives. And you know, little did he know that I'd be preparing a message that was quite similar to what he'd be sharing on, but on the topic of Thanksgiving. Either the spirit is moving or he just happens to really give me good content that I can piggyback off and capitalize off to make my job a little bit easier. Either way, I'm grateful uh, for that. Uh, so thank you again, Jeff, for that inspiration. It definitely inspired me to preach this uh, message. Uh, the title of my message today is When Thanksgiving Ends. When Thanksgiving Ends. And the Thanksgiving holiday has passed away and we've joined with our families and we've had an amazing meal and, and fellowship and time with our friends, I don't think there's ever a time, right, in our lives where we can lack Thanksgiving, where we can lack gratitude. You know, my hope today is that sharing this message, you know, we can understand a little bit more deeply what true biblical Thanksgiving looks like and that we can all be inspired to remember to make Thanksgiving an active daily part of our lives, not just for a holiday or for a season but for the rest of our lives. Amen. And also to realize the dangers that we can inherit when Thanksgiving ends yes. in our lives. Yes. But before we can do that, let's first break down what our world knows Thanksgiving to be today. Right. Here's a few definitions that I, I found online. Uh, the first one is this. Another excuse for Americans to spend an entire day eating. <laughs> Here's the second one. A turkey's worst nightmare. Third, which I love the most. A holiday in November that takes place in the United States where everything is closed for people to sit down and watch football and eat turkey, followed by Black Friday, a holiday to physically fight people over discounts and max out their credit cards to buy gifts for Christmas. <laughs> and if that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but hilariously true, it's because my source was Urban Dictionary. You gotta love the wisdom of the urban community. All right, but how about a more dignified definition, right? I think we can do a little bit better. Uh, 
them, Webster Dictionary. Uh, first one is this. It's a public acknowledgement or celebration of divine goodness. They could have just said God. I don't know why they said divine goodness, but we'll run with it. Two, the act of giving thanks. And three, a prayer expressing gratitude. We know that today, right? Known as saying grace right at the right. table. Yeah. And depending on which of your family members praise that prayer, which part of the country they're from, it'll look like a lot of different things, but hopefully they're expressing a little bit of gratitude in that prayer and not just eager to eat. But you know, Thanksgiving, in essence, is kind of like what Max was saying. It's just giving thanks. And while these definitions hold a lot of truth to what Thanksgiving is, what we'll find in the Bible is that true biblical Thanksgiving is so much more than just saying thank yous and a bunch of, you know, uh, adorations to people and to God, but it's something deep within the heart. Yeah. It's something sacrificial. It's something daily. And it's even something physical in nature. And we're going to get into that. Uh, so what is biblical thanksgiving? Uh, i got to admit, I don't have the fullness of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge on this subject, nor am I an expert. But as I felt God put it on my heart, I started to develop a curiosity and interest, especially during this time of the season, of what really thanksgiving should look like in our lives, uh, especially in light of this season that we're in. And so I just want to simply share a few things that I learned, and uh, I just really have three points, but um, the first one is Thanksgiving is praise. Thanksgiving is praise. Um, little did you know, Max and I actually didn't plan this, but you're going to get a little bit of Greek and Hebrew uh, uh, to, uh, to this sermon. Can you rock with that? We're going to do a little bit more, and I love how Max broke it down. I think it was absolutely perfect. In the New Testament, the Greek word that is used for Thanksgiving is the word Eucharisteo, right? I think it's pronounced like Eucharisteo. And uh, it's Eucharist and then E-O at the end. And just like Matt said, it means simply to give thanks or to express gratitude, right? And we know that from Matthew 26 at the Lord's Supper when Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks. But what's interesting is that in the, New, in the Old Testament, which we didn't really talk about, the word for thanksgiving and different, uh, different variations of that, like thanks, thankfulness, uh, thinking, um, the word that the Bible uses is the Hebrew word yada. Say that with me real quick. Yada. Very simple. Y-A-D-A-H. Yada. And that word literally means to use or to hold out the hand. Especially to revere or worship the Lord with extended hands. You think when we're praising God in worship, we're lifting up our hands. What you're doing is giving yada unto the Lord. It's very beautiful. But why would the Bible use a word that meant to extend the hand, literally, to describe giving thanks to God? Well, in the Bible, praise was so closely tied with thanksgiving in the Bible. In fact, it's believed by some that the practice of extending the hands in praise and worship was so much a part of the Hebrew culture that they actually began to use the word meaning praise, yada, more often than they used it to mean extend the hand. Which would probably explain why we often see praise used interchangeably in the Psalms and in the scriptures with thanksgiving or the word thanks in different translations of the Bible. Now, what am I saying? If you don't raise your hands, does that mean you're not spiritual? 
No, not at all. Does that mean uh, you're not grateful to God? No, not at all. Lazy? Maybe. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but what, what I think it shows us is a deeper understanding of how the ancient Hebrews viewed Thanksgiving and even how we can better view it today and glorify God according to, the, to how God intended us to give thanks unto Him. And you know, there's a scripture that I think reflects the beauty of when our thanksgiving embodies both the act of praise and giving thanks. We find it here in the Bible, and it's in Psalm, excuse me, Psalms uh, chapter 100, verses 1 through 5. And this is from the NIV version. You don't have to turn it out. I'll read it for you. I apologize I don't have a, a slide for you. But it says this. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And when I read this, it was so convicting because I couldn't help but think, how many times in my relationship with the Lord do I come to God with thanksgiving like this? It says, shout for joy to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm a person who really cares about what people think about me. I'm trying to shout to the Lord at 6 a.m. in my house, rejoicing in thanksgiving. Uh, to disturb my neighbors and them to think that I'm a psychopath living with um, But he says, worship the Lord with gladness. Sometimes we're a little bit reluctant to worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gate with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Amen. Think about my prayer times, my quiet times, my, my private times, my prayer walks with God. And I just reflected, how many times do I express to God this kind of thanksgiving? And to my shame, I realized that it was really rarely. You know, maybe there's some of these things that I do, you know, and I think that we could all say that we do from time to time. But when you think about the psalmist David and how much he loved and adored the Lord and how much he was filled with thanksgiving, he shouted to the Lord. He didn't care what people thought. He rejoiced with gladness. He came before him with joyful songs. He did so much above and beyond. Imagine having a heart of thanksgiving like this, where we freely praise and give thanks to God, Amen. not just partially or conditionally, but with our whole hearts. And that leads me to my second point, and is that that's that thanksgiving is wholehearted. And I want to return back to the Psalms. And uh, for those of you who know, right, David wasn't a man who always had it together, right? He didn't always have it together. He didn't always have this life looking as spiritual as it does in the Psalms. Uh, in, in one sense, yes, when he was really uh, down in, in, in the doom and in gloom of his life. But we know that when he eventually repented from his sin and he was a co-conspirator to a murder and committed adultery and all these things, when he turned back to God, we know that he gave all his heart. Amen. He was all in. He was wholeheartedly devoted to God. And in Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 says this, says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Yeah. Okay. 
You see, when you're thankful with all your heart, you can't be, you can't help but be thankful for all that he's done. It says here, I will tell of all your wonderful deeds, from smallest to greatest. So you thank God for that hoopty, you thank God all the way up to that first apartment that you have, to that bring you home, to that promotion, to that five, six figure salary. I don't know if you're making that, but if you are, let's talk after service. Um, but you, you have a gratitude where you thank God even from the lowest to the greatest, from the least to the highest of everything that God has done for you, no matter how small or how big it is. And you can't help but to tell everyone yes. all the wonderful things, yes. not just the ones that we love to post on social media, to let our friends and family know, but even the small things. That's right. Even our prayers look different. Our prayers go from, thank you, God, but I just really wish I had to thank you, Lord. I have everything I need and more in you. We go from pouring out all our problems onto God to saying, but God, even through it all, you're still enough. That's right. We go from complaining to others to let me tell you how good my God has been to me. I have no reason to complain. I have a grievance against you, God, or against others. You've been so faithful to me, and you alone are my shepherd. Amen. You see, the difference here is contentment. When you have wholehearted gratitude, you praise God more, not for everything you can receive, but for everything you have already in Christ. Amen. And that's wholehearted thanksgiving. Look at Psalm 86, 12, uh, verses, uh, Psalm 86, verses 12 and 13. It says, I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. I'll read that again if you don't have it in front of you. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. You know, I love what the NIV version of verse 13 says, and the way it reads, it says, for great is your love toward me, you have delivered me from the depths, from the realms of the dead. You know, many of us remember what it was like in our darkest moments of life before we found Christ. You know, for some of us, it was literally death that God saved us from. For others, it was suffering. For others, unbreakable sins, addictions, cycles that brought some of the most unbearable pain to ourselves, others, our loved ones, and above all, to God. Yes. And then when we became Christians, some of us realized that life is just as hard as being not a Christian. The only way is you deal with it a little bit different, but the problems still come. And then we resent our struggles that we face and even hide them, right? But notice how God, um, notice how David doesn't fail to give thanks to God for even some of the most hardest moments in his life. And the suffering he went through, he says, you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. How many of us at times consider the height from which we've fallen? How dark and how deep we were in the pit yeah. when God saved us. And we actually boast about that. And we yeah. thank God and we recount that daily in our lives. Not shy away from it, not try to hide it because of the 
pain and shame, that, that that's very real. It does come in some of those moments. Yeah. But to have a freedom to be able to say, but God, I thank you through it all. Amen. Because you saved my soul from death, from the realm of the dead. Amen. You know, it was exactly, if you remember, um, what Job said, even in his suffering. Right? He says, the Lord has given when he lost all his possessions. Right. He lost his children. Right? He lost his livestock. He's very living. At the end of his life, right, he can say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Yeah. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Yes. A blessed be the name of the Lord in his suffering. And so wholehearted thanksgiving doesn't just praise God for the high moments, but also for the lowest and most painful ones yes. as well. Let's look at one more verse. Psalm 111, verse 1. Psalm 111, verse 1. I'm reading the ESV version. And it says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord, here it is again, with my whole heart. In the company of the upright, in the congregation. David says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. What is he talking about? Well, the congregation, the company of the upright, is the church. And then we see that word, we think, oh, upright, oh, dang, that's kind of a high standard. We, we all are pretty jacked up, like Pat likes to say. We don't got it all together. We're not a perfect church, right? I like to look at it. There's nothing necessarily that maybe we're all upright. But we're all trying to make our way right up to heaven, right? And so that's what we're trying to do here. But David is talking about that. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, even before the church, even before my brothers and sisters. And it's going to be evident to other people. Right. You know, when you have Thanksgiving wholeheartedly and you do it in the company of the upright, David is saying that our gratitude should show. Yes. It should overflow from our very spirits and be evident to our brothers and sisters. They should want to share in that same joy and that same praise and that same Thanksgiving. Yes. You know, think about when you first got baptized. I remember what it was like for me. I couldn't stop saying thank you to everyone and to God every moment. Every time I just thought about everything that I had to go through, the hard, arduous process, the many conversations, the tense moments, my own church, and this and that, and how just how lost I was and how hypocritical of a life that I was living, thinking I was a Christian, but then realizing, sadly, I was not. But do you remember that moment when you first got baptized? Do you remember how grateful you were how with tears in your eyes you could recount everything that you've been through and how God has brought you this far. Right. Do we still have that same level of gratitude and thanksgiving to God? To those who study the Bible, to those who baptized us, who invested hours, days, months, years, some now even decades, discipling us, encouraging us, building us up, loving us, being there for some of our most grievous moments, not just in the best moments. Yeah. And do they still feel that from us? Yeah. I think it's something important to consider. Do we still take time to intentionally embrace our brothers and sisters? How about our visitors? Do we take time to let them know how grateful we are for their presence Amen. in our life? To have them here filling up a seat. Yeah. You're not just filling up a seat. But you're an actual soul. You're actually someone who is deeply cared and loved by the God of the universe. And we're so glad that you even take the time to be here with us. Do the people around us feel that, see that still here in our church? 
Now, I think this is how we can express our wholehearted thanksgiving to God in the company of the upright and the congregation, being that we are the church and should exemplify that. And I admit, I'm definitely, uh, I definitely have a lot of work to do in that. Um, but I thank God that he's, he's teaching me and he's teaching us and we're learning. Amen. Amen. Last point I want to share is that Thanksgiving is daily. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says this. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll read it again. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and then when it comes to giving thanks for our circumstances, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And I thought that was pretty odd. You know, God could have wrote, okay, maybe give thanks constantly, right? Continue on that theme in the scripture. Give thanks perpetually, forever. But instead, he says, in all circumstances. I can understand rejoicing and, right, always looking at life with an optimistic perspective that things could always be worse. So rejoicing always, definitely, looking at the bright side. I can understand praying, praying continually, right? Uh, not just for when things are hard, but when things are good, all the time. Praying, having a, a, an actual relationship with God. It's just communication, it's just common sense to that. You can't have a relationship if you don't talk to that other person, if you don't talk to God. But when it comes to giving thanks, you know, there's something about it that I think doesn't come naturally for us when things are going horrible. Right. Have you ever noticed it's even odd, sometimes people give thanks when things aren't good or are bad, right? When you're just maybe confused in your faith and trying to wrestle through it and understand. It's even odd still to give thanks in those moments. But God says, give thanks in all circumstances. Amen. And there's not a day that goes by that we don't face circumstances of all kinds. Right. It just happens. It's daily. So evidently, in essence, God is saying, our thanksgiving, too, needs to be daily yeah. in every circumstance. There's a show in our day-to-day -day lives, right? In the mundane, in our nine-to-fives, yeah. school, in our colleges, in our homes, around our families and friends, those closest to us that we take for granted that we don't necessarily even try to impress or to look good in front of. We're just comfortable kind of being our regular, usual selves and letting sometimes that sinful nature come out. There's a show in our worship, right? Sometimes we worry too much about what the other person next to us on the left or on the right is thinking, and, 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 and we worry, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? Or, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of too awkward or too uncomfortable. And not understand that, and, and God understand that. But what was King David's response in 2 Samuel when the Holy Spirit, right, when the presence of God returned to Jerusalem? The Bible says that David danced and leaped for joy. He was a king, mind you, but yet he was willing to humiliate himself and to look like a child in front of everyone because his heart was filled with just so much gratitude that he couldn't help but contain it. Amen. He couldn't help but to, to, to release it and to show it to the people around him, even if it meant making himself look like a fool. I wonder, right, if we were standing before the presence of Almighty God and his throne was right here, on stage right now in this moment, would our worship look 
the same? Or will we just stand unimpressed, unmoved, unbothered by this God, the God of the universe, the Lord of heaven and earth who created all these things and everything that we enjoy here on earth? Would we stand unmoved if he was here? Does it show toward each other this Thanksgiving, this daily Thanksgiving? You know, I think one of the hardest things with being a very active church, a very active and small close-knit community like the one we have here in Southern Connecticut, is that we can easily take each other for granted. I mean, right? It's just the truth. We do it all the time in our lives, not just in the church, but out. You know, we see each other so often, right? We're not just a, you know, once-a-week kind of community church, and you know, where we just see each other, you know, uh, when we see you, but we're actively engaged in our lives, and we see each other in midweek, we see each other in Sunday service, we see each other in our Bible studies, um, and if not in our homes, and we can easily expect that, you know, we're going to always see that person there. If we miss them that Sunday, it's okay, we'll catch them the next, we'll catch them right. midweek, and we expect that they're just always going to be there, and we're always going to have those opportunities. And I gotta be honest, I'm definitely, I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, you know, uh, I don't really know how to say this, but most of us by now know of, um, of our dear brother, uh, Michael John, uh, who recently uh, lost his wife. And, um, you know, in, in, in speaking with him, um, I was just really moved uh, by what he, uh, he was going through. And uh, he asked me, uh, just before disclosure, I shared with him, and in fact, he actually asked me more than I asked for permission to actually share his story. And uh, even to share a few words of gratitude, because he hasn't been able to, to share or to express how grateful he is for the church and everything. And he asked me to share this. He says, I, I would like to thank the church and everyone who contributed financially, provided meals for me, and helped support me in any way from the very bottom of my heart. And with that, he also asked me to, uh, to share a story because he believed that um, it could maybe help save someone's life or to change them. Um, you know, it was on October 31st, right here in our church parking lot after a Sunday service, that um, it was the last time that he saw his wife, Fiola. You know, an argument had occurred between them that, uh, that left unresolved, and he just mentioned, you know, the last thing that he said to her, out of spite of arrogance, uh, of frustration, it wasn't, uh, you know, I love you, hey, he's going to work out, it's going to be good, we'll be okay, but he told her, I'll see you later. And little did he know, later, he would receive a call that, she was tragically killed in a car accident. And not only his wife, but also his unborn daughter. He also shared with me that later that week, um, during a candlelight vigil, a woman who was a former friend of Fiola came up to him at that vigil, weeping in tears because she didn't have the chance to resolve the past conflict she had with Fiola. It broke her to the point that uh, she couldn't believe that she would do such a thing and hold on, and hold on to it. And that she took her opportunity to reconcile with her for granted. 
one of our conversations. The last piece of advice that, um, that Michael gave me is I asked him, how can we support him? He says, listen, the biggest help you can do for me is to love your wife and make memories. This life can change in a matter of seconds. You know, that night, uh, I never cried and, and, and hugged Lolly and embraced her uh, like I did that night. And, uh, and it caused me to reconsider a lot of my relationships and where they stand. So why don't I, why don't I share this? Come on, Joel. Come on, Joel. And I share this because I think sometimes we can allow ourselves to grow comfortable with unresolved conflicts. Or to strengthen the relationship that we have that have been weakened for far too long. Right. You know, we hold on to hurts. We put off conversations like we're going to have tomorrow to deal with them. Or next week or another year. Or we simply just don't have the energy to deal with it anymore. Or we can take our enemies, families, loved ones for granted. Even here in the church. But if we too lost our opportunity to make things right, to reconcile with our brother and sister, with our family members, with our enemies, would it have been worth it holding on to that pain, holding on to those words, holding on to those hurts, not letting go and forgiving? You know, church, how can we say, really, that we have wholehearted thanksgiving if our hearts don't express gratitude to the people we love and have conflicts with? The truth is, under God, none of us are entitled to anything. Right. Right. None of us are deserving of it. Right. The only thing we're on, we are entitled to, is love. You know, there's a scripture that I uh, didn't mention here, but I know that it says, you know, owe, owe to no one anything but the outstanding debt of yes. love. That's all we owe each other as a family, is love. Amen. And it's to give that love toward each other. And our lives should be a reflection of that. And it should show toward each other. Amen. It's hard to think through. As I uh, get ready to close, I just uh, I want to share. So why do we need this kind of Thanksgiving daily? Why do we need wholehearted Thanksgiving? Why do we need uh, a Thanksgiving that's filled with praise? And why do we need a Thanksgiving that's, that's daily? Amen. I think for a couple of reasons. First, tomorrow's not promised. We know that our Lord even said that, right? The Gospels don't, you know, say, speak of that. Tomorrow's just simply not promised. Right. We are but a vapor, Paul says. Yes. And today could be a rare last day of walking out of these doors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Daily, we take each other for granted, right? It's just natural. It's in our nature. We take each other for granted, and we just think that we have all the time in the world. We're quick to forget God's goodness in our life. God is so good, so faithful to us. When things are just going good, it's just easy to just relish in them. And it's okay. God wants us to enjoy, to relish those moments. Sometimes we do it for a little bit too long, and we forget to give thanks back to God for his goodness. Also because it could always be worse, right? When we think of our situations, and then we hear of other situations other people are going through, we realize that it can actually always be worse than what we're going through. And, you know, lastly, I think it's because it could also always be better. 
not just always worse. You know, the highs, the lows, the mundane, and everything in between can give us hope that as long as there's still breath in our bodies, we can have the hope that better is to come, that there's still better days, that although it could be worse, it could also be better. And we should look to those days to increase and to give us strength and to give us faith to believe that better days are ahead. Amen. You know, as a worship team uh, comes, um, I actually want to do something a little bit different um, today as we close our service. And I actually want to invite you. I want to invite you to respond to just this call of what the Bible says is, is, is biblical thanksgiving, is wholehearted thanksgiving, daily thanksgiving, thanksgiving filled with praise. I asked the worship team if they could sing the song on the blessing. And what I would like for us is just to simply, just we can even stand, you can sit, um, and just offer up just a prayer of thanksgiving to God. No requests, no petitions, just simply thanking God for everything that we have in our lives. And then with that, I would also like to invite us all to just be free to just praise God. To just worship him for his goodness, for his greatness. And in whatever way you feel comfortable, whether it's lifting up your hands or it's kneeling or it's sitting or your eyes closed, I want to invite you also to do that. To take this moment and just consecrate unto God. And to remember, right, when Thanksgiving ends, it doesn't have to stop there. Right. We can continually give Thanksgiving unto God. Not just on a holiday, not just in a season, but throughout all of our lives. Because that was, as that's what God has intended for us. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer and then uh, we're going to sing in close. Dear Heavenly Father God, uh, thank you so much just for uh, just this great privilege and honor, God, to, uh, to just talk about you and, and to talk about your word and to, to share, God, uh, on Thanksgiving. God, I thank you so much for this just beautiful, beautiful blessing that we have, oh God, to just be able to give you things, oh God. You know, I can be so selfish, I can be so inward focused and worried about my own issues and problems, as all of us can, and, and, and we don't realize even just how much it is a blessing to even say thank you to you, God. It, 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 I think it, it brings your heart so much joy, it makes you so much happy, it gives you so much pleasure when you hear us thank you for the things that, that you give to us, that you bless us with, that you allow us to experience, not that you're uh, a God who's in need of our things, but that you desire it because you are so in love with us. You love your creation and you just delight in seeing them live life and life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. And so God, I pray for this time um, that we just take to just consecrate before you. I pray that we can really uh, just have a focused heart and mind that's undivided, that no side conversations or distractions occur, God, but that you can just truthfully, oh God, in spirit and in truth, just worship you and give you praise and give you thanks, not even just worry or focus on the words, but to just focus completely on you, God. Thank you so much, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.